Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. If you want to get to know more about Rebel Alliance Media, go to rebelalliancemedia.com to check out all the other podcasts in our network and all the other content. And you can also subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher to Rebel Alliance Media. That way you get all of our new episodes every week when they come out. And if you want to financially support us, you can go to patreon.com slash rebel alliance. And that would just help us continue to continue to do what we do and be able to do more in the future. Yep. So now that we got all that out of the way, what you're tuning into today is episode three of Uncovering the Origins. This episode, we are going to be talking about public education. I think I've done more research for this episode collectively, yet I feel the most unprepared for it. The That much weeds, huh? It's not even that weeds, weeds, it's just such a deep hole. Oh gosh. <laughs> all right, so that'll it's be all, fun. It's all applicable. <laughs> that'll be fun. So to get us started though on public education, I wanted to share an article that I saw on Facebook recently. Mm-hmm. And this was put out by intellectualtakeout.org. And I can't remember where I found this from, but... Sounds like a reputable website. Yeah, for sure. Probably not biased <laughs> at all. And uh, it was published in 2017 by Annie Holmquist. She talks about homeschooling booming and how many... Which is true. It is. Yeah. And, you know, even with like classical conversations, I think that's helped it boom too. Which we'll talk about classical conversations later. Oh, we will, huh? Yeah. All right. Um, but what she talks about is how much taxpayer money is being saved because people are homeschooling. Obviously, if they're homeschooling, that's less kids in the public schools. Mm-hmm. She says that these numbers put out in this article are conservative numbers. I'm just going to name a couple states, okay, that taxpayer money would be saved or is being saved because of homeschooling. In California, $1.8 billion. Homeschoolers are, are saving Californians $1.8 billion. Yeah. In New York State, where we are residing at the moment, homeschoolers are saving taxpayers $1.7 billion. Which is hard to believe that that there's is... There's even that many. Well, no, I believe that there's that many homeschoolers. I'm oh, just okay. saying it's hard to believe that like we could be paying that much more in taxes. Yeah, that's unbelievable. In Wisconsin, where Erica's family is from. Those are my people. $209 million. Which is actually a lot if you think about how sparsely populated the area it really is. Yeah, and then our previous state of residence, North Carolina, which doesn't have the highest population. It's probably around Wisconsin's. Probably uh, a little bit know. more. Like between the but 5 and 10 million. it has two million. military installations, though. It has True. the Marines and the Army. It's the home of the special operations. So yeah. no, I mean, you're right. But just North Carolina alone, it was $1 billion in yeah, savings. Yeah, that's insane. For that small of a state of only like, you know, 8 million, 10 it's million. It's got a lot of big cities, though. Yeah. It's got Charlotte, one... Raleigh, Durham. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of population there. And, one and then the two installations. Because homeschooling is really big in the military community. Ah, is this part of your... No, research? it's just my observation. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Like, it, it's very big in the, in the military community mm-hmm. because you're moving all the time. And so transplanting children into different public school systems is really hard. Yeah, yeah, of course. So. That makes sense. 
Most of the states are around 100 million, if not 200 or more. There are several that are under that, the smaller states, obviously, like the Rome. more liberal states. And well, the liberal ones sometimes are the highest because their taxes are so high. Yeah, that's true. You know, but I don't Montana doesn't have a whole lot of people in anyway. Well, in the public school system in Montana probably doesn't look nearly as shady as it does in Vermont. It's totally true. Yeah. Montana savings is 50 million. That's still crazy. What is Vermont? Vermont is 43 million. Yeah, it's, it, it's on the low end, though. Yeah, it is. Wyoming, 44 million. So Vermont and Wyoming are the same. Things are way more expensive in Vermont than... But it's also more Wyoming. populated in Vermont than it is in Montana. Yeah, Wyoming. Or Wyoming, sorry. Well, probably Montana, too. <laughs> yeah. This is just incredible. So if you're homeschooling, You just can tell know, your neighbors you're welcome. Yeah, that you're saving them taxpayer dollars. And if we want to continue to save on taxes, then we just need more people to homeschool. Well, and not just for monetary reasons, either. <laughs> no, that's just a perk. Yes. Not even one of the main perks. Yes. So Anyway, I thought that was super interesting to add on to our public education episode. It is very interesting. Now that we have laid a little groundwork to get us into our topic tonight. I would like to grease the wheel a little bit. Okay. Before we start attacking everyone and everything. Okay. <laughs> I just want like people to know that there are legitimate reasons why certain people can't homeschool. Agreed. Like there are single moms who have to work, which the church ought to be helping those mothers. I really have a pretty strong opinion on that. But there are legitimate reasons why kids can't be homeschooled. So this really isn't even about homeschooling necessarily so much as it is about just uncovering the origins of the public school system. Mm -hmm. But I don't want everyone to think that we're saying every teacher in the public school system is from the devil. Because there are Christian educators in the public school system. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And I think that there are Christian kids that grow up in the public school system who are not corrupted, quote-unquote, by right. the public school system and have survived, yeah. so to speak. I don't think that like it's a, a ticket to hell if you send your kid to public school. And we would say that there's there's grace for those situations where the ideal can't be met or the ideal yes. isn't met. I mean, all of our lives are a testimony of God's grace where the ideal is not met, right? Yes. So we would say that God's grace is there for that, and we just understand that There are a hundred different types of situations everyone falls into. Maybe somebody was already a a public education major major, or or maybe they were educating for years. They were a superintendent and all this kind of stuff. And and then they got saved and then they or then they uncovered the origins. That's right. (laughs) And so we understand that there's just a lot of different situations out there. So we want to lay that out before we go into this. We're not giving you an excuse. We're just saying. Like there are, there are, you know, certain situations where what we're about to describe Mm -hmm. is the only option. Yeah. This public school system. So. We always know there's an outlier. There's always an exception to the rule. Yeah. But generally. But generally, we just want you to know that the public school system is not this innocent little creature. It's not innocent. It's not neutral. neutral. It has an agenda and it has always had an agenda right back to its origin. Mm -hmm. Everyone educating will always have a philosophy of education. How are we going to go about this and what is the intended goal? And what we're saying is that from the get-go, theirs was not a good goal and that they were not neutral. They're not morally neutral, nor could they be we would say. Everyone has, and and this is where the myth of neutrality 
mm-hmm. that we've talked about this before, but this myth of neutrality has been bought in education. Yeah. That education is neutral. It is not religious. It is not secular. Math is just math. Mm-hmm. Christians would agree. Math is just math. Yeah. You can't teach math in a way that's religious, and you can't teach math in a way that is secular. And we're like, actually, you can. Right. Well, and that's that's where they start, is they start getting you to believe that it's neutral. It's like a smaller hill to take, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the bigger one of, like, science right. or philosophy or religion saying this is neutral. Right. Yeah, that's much harder to, to tackle. Mm-hmm. And so they get you on that little hill. But then we've gotten there, though. Most Christians will say, yeah, politics is neutral. Or even science can be neutral and all the all right. those other things. But it started off small and it started off with the public education. education. Well, and prior to like the turn of the century, public education wasn't a thing. Most people were educated at home. Most people perhaps went to like a one room schoolhouse. Mm hmm. And the there was a teacher that the community had brought in, usually like a young girl, like the Laura Ingalls Wilder type mm-hmm. um, teachers who would come in and educate children. And it was like a fairly new concept to put children into a public school setting. Because even the Laura Ingalls Wilder type education is not public school education. It was okay. a community who came together and said, hey, we want to hire someone to help us teach our children. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't the state running, yeah. you know, the state didn't give Laura Ingalls Ingles Wilder a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, it was the community. The community did. Or sometimes churches would. Sometimes yeah. churches would say, hey, we want someone to come in and educate our children. Let's um, put together an offer. We, c- If you give this much, I give this much. We can offer a teacher um, the salary. Okay. And if, if it was a young, unwed woman, mm-hmm. that was a pretty good job yeah. for her to make, you know, a little extra money on the side because right. typically they lived with their parents until they were married. Right. So that system of education was even different than the public yeah. school education. It's starkly. So before we start to really uh, get into this hole, <laughs> um, let's go ahead and take our break quick, and then we'll come back and and jump into this hole. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, we'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Brian. And this is Jesse. And we run Reconciled Media. We create reformed, presuppositional, and post-millennial content. Check out Reconciled Radio, where we've interviewed guests like Joel McDermott and Darren Doan. And the Alpina Antithesis, where we engage the issues and events around our community from a full-orb, faith-for-all-of-life, Christian worldview. Both shows can be found on Apple Podcasts at Reconciled Media. Go to Facebook.com slash Reconciled Media to stay up to date with our latest content, memes of the week, and our Reconciled recommendations. Thanks, and go cultivate a kingdom culture. All right, we're back. And we are going to talk about public education and uncover its origins. We are going to jump into the labyrinth that is public school system. <laughs> this sounds really exciting. So where do we start? Okay, so most people would probably know the name John Dewey. Mm-hmm. He is considered the godfather of modern education. Yep. I did not give him that title. That's just what he's known as. Wow. It's uh, a high title. Yeah. He and one of his contemporaries, Edward Thorndike. Mm-hmm were kind of two peas in a pod when it came to their socialistic ideas of public education. Both of them were humanists. 
Um, As far as I know, both of them actually signed the earliest version of the Humanist Manifesto. Okay. Which is in complete opposition to a Christian worldview. Yeah, we don't have time to even get into that. Yeah, we'll just say that, and you can go look that up on your own time. Maybe maybe that's a future episode, but starkly op- opposite of a Christian worldview. Yeah, we'll that should make that. your stomach turn, right? Just right off the bat. Like, right. these are not men that believe what Christians believe at all. About, yeah, about humans. And human flourishing. Yeah, and human flourishing. And human. a human's worth, and yeah. what a human has been designed to do. Dewey was a philosopher. Thorndike was more of the psychologist. Okay. So they had differing views in how they applied their principles uh-huh. but they they thought very much the same that education ought to be child focused and that sounds very nice like oh yeah right. child focused education you can customize your education to the child and this is even like very popular in like the charlotte mason type of education uh grant's just like shrugging <laughs> we don't we don't really <laughs> get into that too oh much. i think i know what you're talking you do about. we've talked about okay, it before yeah. a little bit but um so like at, at, at surface level it's mm-hmm. like yeah this is good like every child has different aptitudes for education mm-hmm. some children are just more gifted than other children right, right. i think that's pretty self-evident yeah. some children are going to be able to be biologists whatever you know some yeah. children are just going to be bent that way and some children are going to be more of the hands-on mechanical mm-hmm. um learn from doing kind of children which is exactly what they pitched to the Americans that this is what we're going to do. We're going to customize the system to the aptitude of the child. Okay. Sounds pretty innocent. At, at first. Yeah. And if you like, actually go on YouTube and you start looking up these guys, there are going to be tons of people who herald them as like these innovators of education yeah. because they actually cared about the individual child. Look how smart they are. We know that humanity is not a one size fits all, but that everyone is different. And so this is... This is genius. But what they actually wanted to do was quite opposite. Okay. What they wanted to do was they wanted to take a eugenics type of mindset and say, ah. because children learn differently, mm-hmm. we're going to scrape off the top those, you know, the ones that rise, those yeah. smart children, and we are going to push them into society, mm-hmm. lift them up into prominent positions by educating them. So mm-hmm. those people that succeed, those children that succeed in the public school system, will send them off to secondary education. They'll be the ones to be the politicians, to be the doctors, to be the ones that form culture. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they really, really wanted to accomplish in public education was not to just Um, teach kids grammar and facts and memorization, they wanted to socialize them. So what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is they wanted to make children understand that their place in society was not an individualistic place, meaning you worked hard because you wanted to build a family and provide for your family and that sort of thing. What you're doing is working to better culture. So one of the one of the first things that comes to my mind as you're explaining this right now that happened because of pulling kids out of homes and putting them in a school and saying this is where you learn how to contribute to society and here are your peers, here are the people that you are doing this for is shifting the foundation of society from the family to the individual and the individual part of the, you know, the society or the societal whole, whatever that authority is, has said, you belong here with these people. And the family is no longer the center of society. Family just ends up being the the production of the next generation. And that's it. Right. 
Lest you think Dewey sounds pretty awesome so far, I just want to give you a quote of his. Okay. So, quote, education is the regulation of the process of coming to share in the social consciousness. Mm, oh, wow, that's real bad. Adjustment of individual activity on the basis of social consciousness is the only sure method of social reconstruction. Wow. So, right there, he's pl- he's showing his cards. Like, his entire purpose of educating children mm-hmm. is to reconstruct society. That is, like, 100% cultural Marxist as well. Yeah. To to say that we we are trying our darndest to shape and form every person to adapt and b- become what we want as a part of this social consciousness. And we we see this with I mean you've seen it in the schools here in Brooklyn with they have posters everywhere that curriculum is constantly being changed to whatever the LGBTQ yeah. left progressive I mean, agenda it, is pushing at the moment. Yeah, and and every other realm too whether it's economics or politics or immigration policy foreign policy all those sorts of things are being fit because they want everyone to form to this social consciousness there's Mm -hmm. no critical thinking so dewey actually um he was hired on at the university of chicago and he took over as head of i think it was the sociology department he actually taught um let's see if i can pronounce this right pedagogical so pedagogy, <laughs> I can't even. I know pronounce what pedagogy it. is. Pedagogy is P E D A G O G Y. It's the teaching of children. It is, yeah. Peda, uh, pedo, like yeah. pedo, we're pedo Baptists, baptizing yeah. the babies. So it's ch- pedagogical. Child. I think it's pedagogical. There you go. That sounds good. But that's yeah. That would be the you know the study of yes. children or learning how to teach children. Um, with with the application of teaching them how to function in the real world. Mm-hmm. He wanted to train children how they ought to act in society, which essentially is child rearing. Exactly. Like that's what parents should be doing. We should mm-hmm. be teaching our children what is appropriate and right, how to act in the real world. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to control how society functioned and, and acted by educating them. So in case you ever doubted whether the public school system is built upon the premise that they want to rear your children, you're wrong, and they definitely are from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Around 1890s, 1920s, like right around that turn of the century there, people were starting to realize that the classical languages, the arts, mm-hmm. that sort of thing were being taught to children. In And children were very educated, actually. Yeah. That's one of the myths that like American children right now are more educated than any other time in American history. And it's simply not true, actually. Children were taught um, classical languages, Latin, Greek. I mean, they knew so much more. They knew poetry. Actually, Thomas Jefferson is quoted to say that the Native of America who cannot read or write is as rare an appearance as a comet or an earthquake. And that most farmers actually spent their leisurely time reading Homer. Hmm. Wow. So, leisurely time. Yes. That's so amazing. So to think that just maybe 125 years ago that children were able to read and write Latin and like that was yeah. considered almost like wasteful. Like we don't, our kids don't need Latin anymore. It's a dead language. America's becoming more industrialized. Like kids need to like learn mm-hmm. how to actually do something, go get this job in this factory that's being put up down the street like that became more of the the common opinion Mm -hmm. stop teaching kids latin start giving them real world skills so we did that we stopped teaching kids 
classical languages. We stopped teaching them poetry and more of uh, the arts. Mm-hmm. And we started giving them more, quote, practical, real-world education as Dewey prescribed. Dewey prescribed to the Prussian model of education, which this is where we get real crazy and we start to go off the track. So I'm going to try and be very clear with this. <laughs> All right. So we're getting into a Prussian style a of Prussian, education? A Prussian style of education. Okay. Not Russian. Prussian. Prussian. So Prussia is currently Germany. Got it. Okay. I just want to say, this is a total side note, and this is maybe just giving people's brains a break real quick. There is a lot of bad stuff that has come out of Germany. I'm just going to say that. There's probably a lot of good Martin Luther, some other things, but like <laughs> some other things. Charles, Charles Darwin, Adolf Hitler. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Adolf Hitler because he'll come around. Oh, okay. But there's a lot of Schleiermachers, a, a liberal theologian that's done a lot of damage to um, to the church and Christianity. There's a lot of, they come out of Germany, a lot of bad Bad stuff. Anyway, total rabbit trail side note, but all right, Prussia. Okay, so this Prussian model of education was obviously first found in Prussia, mm-hmm. which like I said is modern day Germany. So this was adopted by a man named Horace Mann, who was actually the very first um, education secretary in Massachusetts. Okay. This, this position, education secretary, had not been... Um, given to anyone before. This is the new position. Horace Mann is the very first person to assume this role okay. in the state of Massachusetts. What year? This was in 1837. Okay, that was a while ago. So in 1837, Horace Mann went to Prussia because he'd heard about how wonderful Prussian education was. Okay. Well, Prussian education came about because they had fought many wars mm-hmm. and they have lost many wars. And so Prussia's way of determining why they were losing all these wars was by looking at what was motivating the men. And Hmm. come to find out what was motivating the men was self-preservation. They didn't want to die. (laughs) Right. Solid motivation. (laughs) So the Prussians decided, Prussian philosophers decided that if they could educate their people in such a way that they could essentially brainwash them to thinking that the good of the masses was more important than the individual's life, mm-hmm. then soldiers would be more motivated to give up their life in battle. Interesting. How do you do that? You educate them yeah. in such a way that they believe socially we all matter mm-hmm. and that your life means virtually nothing if forsaking your life is for the good of the community. So it's not an equal uh, it's not an equal thing. It's a society is more important yes. than the individual. Absolutely. And so Prussia decided that they were going to form this public education system wherein um, children were taught from infancy, essentially three, mm-hmm. four years old on, that the state is their father and that the state must be obeyed. And mm. I will read some quotes to you how like just it's terrifying, honestly. Wow. Okay, so Horace Mann himself actually said that the state is the father of children. So Horace Mann brought these ideas over to America because, remember, he is this education secretary in Massachusetts. So he came back from Prussia, mm-hmm. saw these children who were all falling in line. They got up and they went to their next class when the bell rang. They obeyed their teachers and everything seemed to be so neat and orderly. 
mm-hmm. that he said, this is a great, a great way to educate children. We're going to do the exact same thing in America. After all, the state is the father of all children. And should be obeyed. And so the state ought to be obeyed. We're going to train our children to be equally as obedient to the state as the Prussian children are to their state. Again, this goes back to our comment about the state wanting to rear your kids. Yeah, and this is not like, this is all public knowledge. Yeah, like, like this is their quotes. We're not like drawing implications here. No, I mean, I don't know any good way that this quote, the state <laughs> is the father of children, could be taken. Like, this is just a bad thing to say no, always. The father any... of your children is their father. Yeah, <laughs> and he is the one who is responsible for them before God, not the state. Right. Horace Mann mm-hmm. makes free and compulsory education the law in massachusetts for the very first time this is like 1840s maybe or something yep okay so this is now the beginnings of the public school system okay starting in massachusetts by the man who says the state is the child's father the daddy state state is your daddy but don't worry about it because education is going to be free there's a surplus of immigration coming to, you know, the United States. Mm-hmm. These people may not be as smart as American children. So in an effort to make sure that America is going to be built up and strong for future generations, we need to educate them. The state will educate them. And you have to send your kid to school, by the way. So now really? the only... Oh, you said compulsory, yeah, huh? Yeah, it's compulsory. Yeah. So now the only place that you can send your child to school is a, a school system that is socialistic. Mm-hmm. And a school system that is, at its very core, humanistic. Yeah. And built off these Prussian principles. And built principles, off these Prussian not principles. biblical principles by any stretch of the imagination. Right. So, once again, we're going to talk about this Prussian principles. Okay. I could get into, like, this. Yeah. this is like an octopus. Like, you just pick one of the legs and it just takes you off in another yeah. direction. But, so the Prussian school education, like, their one of their formats for reading, for instance, instead of reading being... Um, phonetic like instead of teaching your kids phonics like mm-hmm. th says th, or long a's short a's yeah those types of things what they do what they ascribe to is called whole word methods okay or sight reading oh so just memorizing what the thing looks like so the entire public school system in america is based on this prussian method which ascribes to this so this is not like per school like this is just what the mm-hmm. public school system in america teaches children okay this whole word method. Children are given lists to memorize by sight. Mm-hmm. This is actually where the Dick and Jane books come from. Like, really? Uh, they formatted these books for the sake of whole word method type learning. Interesting. So see Dick run. Like, memorize those words because that's how you're going to learn this is what this word looks like. Run looks like this formation. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not phonetic. You know, R says rrr. And then the short U says, right. uh, it's, they don't teach that to kids. It's wow. just, this is what this word looks like. Memorize it. Huh. So actually a lot of neuroscientists, modern neuroscientists today have done tons of studies and they have actually deemed this form of education, this whole word method to be brain damaging. Really? They have done studies which they can look at a child who has learned this sight reading type of education. Uh-huh. And they've looked at a child who has been taught phonics. And when they try and read, certain parts of the brain light up. And I don't understand all that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. they basically have seen damage in, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of children's brains. Because the right side of your brain is basically trying to do what the left side should be doing. 
Interesting. So the right side is the side that like understands and interprets symbols. Okay. Which is what sight reading is. Yeah. This is a symbol for run. Yeah. And then the left side is the one that has the ability to actually phonetically figure out this says this and like put words prob- together like and read. Solving yeah. Or something. Yeah. It's reading. So because it's trying to train this side of the brain to do what this side of the brain ought to mm-hmm. do, it damages the brain so that the child can't actually read properly after it's taught to read from this whole word method. Well, one of the things that I just saw researching for this episode was that our ability to problem solve in age 16 to 24 or something has gone down drastically. That would be a side effect of this is that their, their ability to work through something and problem solve, which is what reading a word would be. Critical thinking. Yeah. Is going down the drain. And it, it literally damages the brain so that the brain can't think critically. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's fun fact. In 1993, the Federal Literacy Study found that only 55% of Americans could read at the level of the worst two levels, meaning only 55% of Americans could actually read more than just a stop sign. And actually, they kind of suggested, too, that perhaps the only reason they could read a stop sign was because they were taught sight, you know, sight reading, whole word uh, methods in which they have just memorized, hey, that stop sign just means stop. Yeah. Like, that's terrifying. 55%. That is the majority of Americans. So, so that's the thing. If you teach somebody how to read phonetically, and this isn't really the whole point of our uncovering the origins, but you can present them a word and they can at least start sounding it out and making it out. But if you think about trying to get somebody to memorize every word in the dictionary they can't there's no way that's going to happen yeah and their vocabulary is going to suffer for it and then they don't even know how to approach a new word Mm -hmm. in a book they buy you know that's i don't even know what that is yeah and then they wouldn't even know how to uh to even begin to sound it out and read it and also since we don't teach latin anymore they they probably can't even start looking at oh what's the root in it so in 1647, the Puritans, gotta love the Puritans, yep. they made an act called the Old Deluder Satan Act. Okay. <laughs> which is such a Puritan name, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. That's awesome. So this Old Deluder Satan Act of 1647. <laughs> we need more of those today. Of, of 1647 basically stated that um, education needs to be at the forefront of what American culture is mm-hmm. going to focus on. Okay. We need to teach our children to read. And this was why reading in particular was so important to the Puritans was because they wanted their children to be able to read the Bible. Because right. they feared if their children could not read the Bible, then Satan would come around and he would start lurking and he would wreak havoc on culture, on society. Hmm. And that was not going to promote the flourishing of the colonies. Prophesy much, Puritans? Right. So they put forth this old deluder Satan act um, but this law basically required that the towns of a certain size, so a large enough town, mm-hmm. um, they would hire a schoolmaster to teach the local children. Okay. So that's kind of what you're talking about at the beginning. Right. Like it, it, I think they intended well, mm-hmm. but what ends up happening is when we hire someone to educate our children, now our children and our children's morality, understanding, comprehension, is at the mercy of whoever their schoolmaster is, mm-hmm. which is actually a biblical concept. <laughs> right. You know, we become like our masters. Yeah, exactly. It's funny how in the beginning with the Puritans, we said 
we must learn to read. We must be able to read in order to learn the Bible. Like mm-hmm. that was the premise. Like our society is only going to flourish if our children know what scripture says. Yeah. They're not going to become Christ-like unless they can read God's word. And to be fair, like that Laura Ingalls Wilder type of education where it's the young girl who is coming in and educating the little kids of the town. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, it was the church or the town that would pay these young girls to yeah. come in and teach the Bible. I mean, those primers were all biblical primers. Yeah. Children learned to read from the Bible. Yeah. Well, when it came to people like Dewey and Horace and, you know, whomever else, they didn't like that the Bible was being taught in the school. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why a secular humanist wouldn't exactly enjoy learning how to read from the New England primer. Yeah. The ways are many. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Are you ready to jump down another level of this craziness? Well, I just wanted to add one little thing about the reading before we go into the next crazy level. Okay. A lot of people dismiss reading, like you said, and a lot of people, you know, hate English in school. And I know I kind of did. And I now wish I didn't because if you think about it, if you are a great reader and learning new words, learning new concepts as you read them doesn't freak you out, you can do any job. Mm -hmm. You can pick up any user manual for any piece of equipment, you can pick up anything and learn it Mm -hmm. because you're a great reader and you have good reading comprehension. So those things right there, I mean, we're going to, we harp on that with our kids and we make sure that that's something that they put a lot of effort into because we know that later down the road, they'll be able to just pick up any job, pick up any piece of equipment Whatever, read the manual, read real quick. They can read quicker uh, if they do well at it. And so that's just another thing that I've seen the importance of being able to read, read quickly and comprehend it and not be scared of kind of tough reading, you know? Yeah. Being able to give that skill of of tackling. If you're a reader, you can be a self-learner. Exactly. Yes. Which just benefits you in tons and tons of ways. Yeah, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the next level of crazy. So the third level of crazy that we (laughs) are going to undertake. It's like Dante's level of hell. (laughs) (laughs) Levels of hell. Yeah, pretty much. That's literally what I feel like. (laughs) like, And I'm sorry if this seems all over the map. It kind of is. And like once you discover like, okay, this person leads to this person and then this leads and it just keeps going. Like this person is connected to this terrible person and then this terrible person is connected to another terrible person. (laughs) And it's just like you can see where all of these crazy ideologies stem from and like why it has little bits of like Darwinistic evolutionary flavors here and then humanistic socialistic ideas over here and eugenics sprinkled throughout like Mm -hmm. it's because they're connect it's connected to all these people who were thinkers um evil thinkers well i think the thing that keeps sticking out for me is that we started out in america with christians with with ministers and churches wanting to make sure kids were educated so that way they learned the bible Mm -hmm. because they knew that that was the foundation for any good society right And then we completely walked away from it. And everything that you're introducing to us are all secular. They're humanists. There's no Bible in any of this. There's no reverence for King Jesus in any of this. There's no, but first, you know, God, and then we learn. Right. None of that. That is all absent. So obviously this, this is a huge shift. Well, and where did most, in the beginnings of American public education, the puritanical Laura Ingalls type one room schoolhouse mm-hmm. situations. Where did most of those schools meet? In a church. Yeah. Because most teachers were under the watchful eye 
of the minister of the church. Mm -hmm. Like he was who paid the woman typically. He was the one who oversaw what she was teaching to the children typically. Not always, but typically that's how it worked. So we have this idea that the church, the the pastor was still shepherding his congregation, the children of his congregation. Heavily involved. Being heavily involved in their education. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just interesting. That's not the third level of hell. The third level of hell (laughs) (laughs) is when we go back to this Prussian model of education. Okay. One of its, one of the original uh, influencers, I guess you could say, is a man called Johann Fichte, I think is how you pronounce his name. Okay. F-I-C-H-T-E, Fichte. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So obviously he was German. He was a philosopher. He helped Prussia form their uh, model for education. Okay. Okay? So he was involved in Prussia's formation of their public school Mm -hmm. system that later America would adopt. That Mr. Horace learned so much from. Yes. So I just want to give you a couple quotes from this man. Okay? I'm so excited for this. I want you to know he was heavily influenced by Kant, actually. All right. So there's that. If you know anything about Immanuel Kant. Yes. Okay. So this is his quote. Fichte. I think we'll call him Johan. I'm more confident in Johan. Oh, Johan. Okay. Education should aim at destroying free will so that after pupils are thus schooled, they will be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise than as their school masters would have wished. When the technique has been perfected, Every government that has been in charge of education for more than one generation will be able to control its subjects securely without the need of armies or policemen. He formed Prussian education that America loved and adopted. Yeah. And look what happened. We just pointed out that all of our education system was based in Christianity and then we're a hundred years removed, not even a hundred years removed. And the 60s happened. This man died in 1814, mind you. Okay. So then they just took his so ideas. So then they and, took his yeah. ideas, adopted him, used him for a while. Then Horace came into power when he became the um, the education secretary in Massachusetts. So that was in 1837. So most people will say that after the Civil War in America is when you really started to see the downgrade. Oh, we're going to get there too. So okay. this guy, super evil. Right. Had crazy brainwashing ideas. Like, it's not... He doesn't even try and hide it. Like, this is just what they're trying to do. They're just trying to control the masses. Yeah. We are trying to brainwash you and turn you into puppets. Yep. I just wanted to, like, touch on him because... No, that's good. And terrifying. And terrifying. Yeah. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Depression. Everyone by this point should think the Prussian model is intensely creepy and, like, we should not have anything to do with it, right? Yes. So we're going to, for the sake of time... There's too many rabbit trails to just, like, get into, but all of it's super important, and all of it fits yeah. together in the end. So, let's just make this into a two-parter, Okay, I think. we had several people want us to cover this one, so I think they'll be fine with two parts. So, we're going to take a break, but a much longer break. It'll be a week long. Yes. <laughs> and this is part one. We will come back next Tuesday with part two. Where we just, like, pick up where we left off with that creepy guy, Johan... Fichte. Fichte from Germany. You gotta be real careful when you say that name. Yep. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Okay. I think it's Fichte. I think you're good, yeah. Because, like, when I heard the name said, it sounded like someone from New Jersey saying Victor. Oh. (laughs) Fichte. (laughs) Like an Italian. Yeah. Saying, oh, that's right. Hey, Fichte. Exactly. (laughs) 
Teach me how to school these kids. They're wild. Thank you guys for listening. Time. Tune in next time for part two. We Where pray. we'll try and get it together a little bit better and not be all over the map. And uh, so we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames, left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change, if you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nick at night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We would all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1, yeah And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause, it changes our natural habitation The situation, it's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable with new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who has given new birth from above Thank you.